Welcome to Bull by the Horns with Giles Vickers-Jones. Hello, I'm Giles Vickers-Jones and welcome to the very first Bull by the Horns podcast brought to you by Shy Aviation. Each week, I'll be sitting down with a hugely successful individual who has taken massive risks to reap incredible rewards. I'll be asking them how success has affected their careers and what inspires them to keep on taking risks. This week, we were joined by the star of Gossip Girl and White Gold, the actor and friend, Mr. Ed Westwick. Ed's a fantastic guy, known him a long time. Um, I think for me, his story is compelling because, well, you have to find out, but the things he has done, the risks he's taken at the early age at which he started, for me, is what's most remarkable. So without further ado, this is Bull by the Horns with Mr. Ed Westwick. So listen, let's kick off. What are you up to? I mean, it's COVID going on. The world's a bit in turmoil. How are you getting by? Well, it is Monday morning. So, uh, you know, keeping with the theme of success and maybe risk and continuation and stuff like that. I just came from uh, a boxing class. So uh, fitness, fitness, you know, I think that's one of the elements we could probably throw into uh, to staying on top of things, you know, mentally and physically fit. But the thing is, no one's acting at the moment, right? So I've got plenty of friends in acting theatre, production, you know it better than anyone. Yeah. How are people coping out there with this? I think it's hard. I mean, obviously you've got a big industry um, and there's people at all sorts of different levels, yeah. uh, you know, both ends. So on the spectrum, but, uh, you know, in general, I mean, it's it's been hard hit like everything else. So the big point that was coming from a lot of the conversations I was having, I mean, when it all initially hit, you know, everyone just took it on the chin, yeah. industry shut down, it's going to be quiet, mm-hmm. you know, stay indoors, save lives, etc., etc. So that was kind of the MO, that was the way everyone was living, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Um, and then what we started to uh, realise was, um, was the situation was not only the logistical problems that you would face going back to, um, let's say, filming, and mm. filming scenes, and if you want to imagine a story then uh, imagine a story where in one scene there's going to be a party sequence mm. and what does that look like well yeah. it looks like a lot of different characters and people all mingling like you would in real life yeah. or what we took as real life pre-covid people having the freedom to interact and so on and so forth so all of a sudden you're faced with this situation well how do you shoot a scene with uh, a lot of people at a party for example when this whole COVID thing is going on, well, you're not going to be able to. Well, there's no. going to have to be a whole load of new rules and regulations and people getting tested and it's just a logistical nightmare, isn't it? So that aside, that was kind of like an initial thing. I was like, all right, great. Well, we're going to shoot. There's going to be no more party scenes yeah, right. in films or anything like that. It's just one-on-ones all the time. Um, but then the other thing, which was kind of more, more uh, bureaucratic or behind the scenes was the insurance mm-hmm. side of things. Um, of course, because you're going to get filmed or something. If someone gets COVID... Production yeah. stops down, stops well, filming. Exactly. You've got 50 people on set. Exactly. So uh, Batman, the film, just shut down uh, because Robert Pattinson has COVID. Right. Uh, How so long that, for? I don't know. Um, they shut down for the second time. Because obviously, they shut down the first time because right. everything got shut down. Yeah, and yeah. the second time was specifically because uh, Mr. Pattinson uh, contracted COVID. So, um, I, so going, yeah, talking about insurance, I think what it is is... Yeah, look, when, you, when you're filming, of course, the production has to be insured. Actors have to be insured. People have to pass general uh, fitness tests, uh, health and well-being tests. Um, and now you have this, this, this other thing, like, thrown in, you know. So 
Uh, I don't know what it looks like. I have I not know, shot it's... anything since uh, this whole thing's happened. And you know, one so you haven't po- filmed anything at all. In six no, months. no, no, no. One of the positive. Well, nothing's been filming. So what I no. what what ha- what happened? One of the first kind of things I started hearing about was uh, Tyler Perry, who's obviously a very mm-hmm. successful um, American writer, director, actor, yep. producer, uh, who has his own studios in, I believe, Atlanta, mm-hmm. Georgia, in the states. He um, has full control there. So what he's done is you fly actors in, they stay on the set in the studio. I don't know what that looks like, whether there's bunk beds or tents or whatever it is, but (laughs) it's certainly uh, different days from five-star accommodation (laughs) and uh, pocket money or per diem (laughs) as we like to call it, which is one of the only reasons to get into the business in the first place. Right. You know, 500 quid cash is always No one gets per diems like that anymore. No, the golden age is over in so many ways, but we must have hope and this conversation is going to be about hope. Can you imagine just 500 pound a day just per I, diem I, I, to enjoy I, I, whilst I, filming yes what's yes. the most you've ever had as a per diem um yeah I th- honestly I mean it is a lot but it, yeah I mean maybe it's not but it is no yeah. a, a hundred a hundred and something pounds a day I think which is ridiculous especially if you're working because I can't spend it because I'm on set anyway <laughs> and you've so, got the free accommodation you've got driver yeah. look I, uh, I've been there, there's, there are some some times you know that I've had that I felt extremely blessed and yes there are parts about uh the industry that I've experienced, which feel, feel you know, of course, uh, you're over-celebrated, shall we say. But um, I think, you know, the thing that Tyler Perry was doing, it's it's a very interesting concept, you know. Just and keep everyone in a bubble, essentially. Keep everyone right? in a bubble. And, you know, I think there's positives there in terms mm-hmm. of, okay, well, it means you can actually work and you can shoot and everything like that. Um, and everyone kind of stays focused on the project. Yeah. Which, from my point of view... Um, you know, I just directed my uh, first short film last year. Um, it was something that, you know, I, I wanted to try. I mm-hmm. wanted to evolve as an artist and as an individual. I wanted to grow. Um, and, you know, you talked about risk before we started. Yeah. And, you know, I, I paid for it myself. Yeah. So there was an element of my, you know, it was like my own risk there. And, uh, I'm, you know, you begin the process. Okay, how do I make some of that money back? Obviously, we can get into that in a bit because everything's been... Uh, put on pause because of this COVID situation. But, um, you know, what I wanted to do, when I was making that film, you know, and and what I've learned over over the years and my experience as an actor and being in this industry is focus and attention on the project. You know, it's what you want. Now, often or sometimes, you know, you work with different people or there's different environments and situations where it's hard for people to maintain focus. And I think when you're trying to succeed in anything, I think focus is a very important thing. You know, We want to have our eyes on the prize and we want to go for it. Now, um, in different projects and different things, um, you know, especially if there's something that can take a number of years to achieve, you know, it's hard for individuals or companies or anything like that to keep that focus. And I right. think focus and eyes on the prize is, is hard. So what I'm talking about here, and I'm yeah, give us examples. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It is actually, time. We're just chatting. Um, is actually talking about, you know, if if you're locked up and you're and you're in this bubble, this COVID filming bubble, yeah. at least everyone can have their eyes on the prize. <laughs> yeah, that, right. was, that was my long way of going around that. But yeah. So, so how did you get around in the past? So you're making a film, make a TV series, yeah. and you've got to focus, right? So you you haven't got the gig. You're trying to get the gig. So I'm look, no matter how high profile you are, you still got to meet a producer, a director, audition next to a leading man, lady, whatever it may look like. Yeah. How do you? Get yourself to the point where, right, you've got the opportunity to get in a film or a TV series. How do you focus and what do you do to get that part? 
Well, I think it's interesting, you know, I think what you're touching on there is uh, the in-between steps. And it's all of the, you know, the part, the times that you go up for the audition, that you you work hard to, to memorize the material, to, mm -hmm. to bring it to a level which is uh, professional and, and good enough to present, good enough to audition, you know, because let's not forget, I mean, this industry has always been competitive and probably mm -hmm. is more competitive now than ever. Um, there are thousands of people going up for that one job that, yeah. that you're that you're going up for, and um, you're you're fighting for it, and you have to fight for it. And rejection is the most common part of this career choice, which is, you know, uh, it's it's a, it's a difficult thing. Um, so it's really think, hard, like yeah. rejection, because you're you're not getting rejection for. Let's it's not say being underqualified, you yeah. get rejected if someone doesn't like a part you've played, right? Or they, you're auditioned and you, you aren't what they're looking for. So that's a direct slap. Yeah. And Without I mean, being harsh, it could be, right? Well, it could be. You kind of take a bigger view on it, I guess. But. It could be. I think you have to. And I think, you know, that's one of the, one of the things I struggled with, for, uh, struggled with for a long time. And depending on where you're at in your, in your kind of maybe weekly frame of mind or mm. whatever, things can be easier to overcome or, yeah. or, or, or more difficult. Um, I think, you know, one of the easiest ways I've, or one of the best ways I've kind of dealt with that is just seeing it as it's literally going to the gym okay. for, for your acting. Uh, it's another chance to, to, to practice, you know? And sometimes, you know, the ego is always a difficult thing. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. We all have the ego and I've had it certainly. And yeah. of course it exists and it's a necessary part of us. And I think one of the ideas um, behind success in life is if you can manage uh, manage your own ego and manage yourself. So I- um, Have you ever had yours out of control, Ed? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, mean, can you pick a moment uh, in your life where, I mean, it's a good point. It's hard, you know, I was 19 but... years old when, yeah. I, when I started filming Gossip Girl, which was, uh, American television series, which was pretty successful. Yes, how did that happen, mate? You're an English person. Yeah, I'm an English person. You get person. a chance to play an American in New York. Yeah. You moved to New York, right? Moved to New York at 19 from my so, mum's house. Crikey me. Yeah. So, that was, so you finished drama school at that point, you were still at No, school. I didn't go to drama school. I, um, so I, a little bit of background on myself is I, um, you know, I attended small amateur drama groups as a kid, uh, I think just for simple reason that it was a way to express um, myself or explore mm. things and creativity mm. and just a safe environment for children yep. to kind of play and, and and do all of that so that was more probably like my mum saying uh would you like to <laughs> would you like to go and do it not like in a stage mum kind of no. way but um you know no, my, it's good my, for confidence and everything right yeah and my mum's a big fan of the arts and okay. you know love drama and everything like that and we'd go to plays we'd go to pantomimes we'd do all okay. of this stuff and i believe you know you should tell the story of me being on the edge of this edge of my seat type thing mm -hmm. like fascinated and uh, in wonder and so you know the next kind of you know question would be hey do you want to kind of check this out and see what it's about so that's uh that's what i did and then um i went to school just normal secondary school and uh I was doing this drama group on Saturday mornings, and of course that conflicted with uh, with Saturday morning football. Yeah. And at that age, you know, you want to be one of the boys, mm -hmm. and that whole kind of side to uh, side to your personality is starting to show. And so I, um, so I kind of traded it in, and uh, and wanted to go down the I'm going to be one of the boys football thing. And okay. there weren't many uh, young lads jumping around in tights and no, plays. It's a hard balance. No, in my right? school anyway. Well, if you feel like an alpha male in sport. And you love the physicality of all the football and everything goes with it. Yeah. So then do acting in some circles, it's perceived a certain way, in others it's not, of course. Yeah, and I think it's just about, you know, the environment you grew up in and where you're from and everything like that. I'm from, I grew up in Stevenage in Hertfordshire and, um, you know, it, it, 
I, I don't think there was a huge amount of access to certain things like that. But also, when I was man, I've got up. to say, like one of the things I found having done a bit of amateur stuff myself and some very low paid work as mm. well, the difference between being on a big film set where everything everything's there, you've got your trailer, you've got a very professional scriptwriter, producer, it does feel polished. When well, you're starting out and you have to like change in a hallway, mm. you know, and you haven't got costume which is probably sorted, you've got to bring mm. your own kit. Well, but you see the bigger picture, it is going to be slightly hard to motivate. Well, right? I think this, and this is kind of coming around to the point that we were going to make about, um, you know, about ego and stuff. So mm. I, just to continue it, I, I, I eventually auditioned for the National Youth Theatre because I was feeling slightly dissatisfied and, and wasn't really doing anything that was, um, yeah, well, satisfying. Mm-hmm. And I... I went to the National Youth Theatre, I had a great time, and you auditioned to get in, and you're yeah. around uh, uh, other like-minded individuals who enjoy being creative or acting, or whatever element it might be, or part of the arts it might be. And then after that, I got an audition, which just came through so almost divinely. I <laughs> it sounds silly. <laughs> no, but, but it's true. But it was like it came through on an email. Okay. Just a random email, and I was studying for my A-levels, and I responded to this, or, or this email, which was just from a casting director, and I didn't have any agent or anything. It's literally an email. Um, because I was a member of the National Youth Theatre. Yeah. And apparently I was the only one who replied to this email and it was for an audition for a film that was directed by the Oscar winner, Anthony Minghella, who's yep. no longer with us. And, no. um, and, and and it was for a role in his film, Breaking and Entering. And I got the job after meeting Anthony um, like once or twice. And then I was on this film set with Jude Law and Juliette Binoche and Ray wow. Winston and Robin Wright Penn at the time. And I... Um, and then, yeah, I was in this and I was like, what the hell's going on? I was 17, turned 18 on set, got an agent from being in that. Mm-hmm. And then after that, obviously, the, the you know, it started kind of rolling a bit more. Um, and when I say rolling, not like, oh my God, here we go, boom, straight into the, into the, uh, into the shiny lights. But shortly, uh, you know, but relatively early on in my career, let's say a year after doing, um, doing that film, I found myself uh, in Los Angeles with a, uh, a bin bag full of scripts some representation in LA and yeah. I was doing the circuits and auditioning. Okay. Like a lot of actors do when they go to the States. Exactly, right? exactly. But, you know, it kind of felt like, for me, I remember thinking there was this thing and it went on for a while about, did I deserve it? You know, because okay. you hear about people paying their dues and struggling. You know about when you got the, the first big show yeah, or when you I got think, that I film think so. I, think, I think so. I think it's like anything that kind of comes quickly or okay. overnight. Yeah. Not to say that my success or my... Well, you'd really make the steps, right? So you'd already started like doing the acting. You'd start doing the youth theatre. You got... I mean, you hadn't just stumbled across... It was, but I don't think I was too conscious of okay. it, you know? I think I was taking these steps, but not necessarily with this dream of like, this is where I'm sure. going. Okay. which a lot of people have, some people have, and then some people just kind of snowball into it. Yeah. And I felt like mine definitely snowballed and snowballed quickly. Right, right, right. And so I had this, um, you know, I was, I, was, I was on set, and basically to get to the point about ego, is at 19, I was, it was, it was in New York, I was on this very successful, very popular show. I had, you know, people handing me water and sandwiches. What show is this? This is Gossip Girl, Right, so me. you've gone to LA, right? Yeah, so you're book, in LA auditioning. Yeah, booked the show after so you're a nights- month. Book the show no month, way, that's unheard of, of. A month of a month of grafting. <laughs> <laughs> well, that bin bag right. does get tatty, doesn't the it? The bin bag Carrying does. Those scripts. Yeah, it does. Um, and so I found myself in New York, you know, shooting, and then we shot the pilot, and we went back home, and then we got the call that we were going to make a full mm. season, and and then I moved to New York and left my parents and uh, mm. moved into a, a flat in New York, and 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 so on and so forth, and then um, enjoyed five 
for over six seasons doing that in New York, which was incredible. And the show became an international success and I would do press around the world mm. and everything like that. And um, was then getting written about in, 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 in um, the... Uh, in the uh, tabloids, the tabloids for doing shots of tequila as a well, thank God Instagram wasn't so prevalent yeah, then. As a twenty, you're be a lot of trouble. as a twenty-year-old kid, which I yeah, which is actually illegal because it's twenty-one in the states <laughs> to drink. So let's make it twenty-one. Okay, gotcha. um, but um, but at the point of the matter is, is that you're getting this kind of. Uh, you're getting that and you're like well why, well, why can't I be doing this why am I why should I not be doing something so young how, man can I ask you so you come from, this mentality so it's really hard you come from Stevenage right because yeah. I always ask you this because I've met your mum a few times and yeah. met some of your family and so you're you're in New York now and you are in a bubble this is a real bubble right so sure. I always wonder how actors get over this right because you're eccentric and you might have done an Anthony Mingella film but you're still relatively unknown the people on the street wouldn't know you suddenly like you said someone's bringing you water You've got your accommodation. Billboards with my face so, on it. And yeah. so you've got your ego, but how you did that send you down a path? Did you find yourself perhaps living that lifestyle? Because you have, I mean, I, I dread to think how much money you're getting paid, but good, and, and you know, well-deserved. The show went in how many countries? 80-odd countries, I think. Yeah, I a lot of countries, yeah. Um, for X amount of years. And I've been with you, with people recognising you, and, I, and they, you speak, and you go, wait, he's English? Yeah. It's a strange thing. So well, you're a proper acting in a different country, away from home, did your head get turned? How did you cope with that? Uh, absolutely, my head got turned. I think you know there was definitely in the in the early days, you know, a bit too much, uh, a bit too much drinking and stuff. Yeah. But you know, you know that that that, that was just a phase, and yeah. you know we go through that, and yeah. that's that's no longer the story, and hasn't been for a long, long time. Um, but I, um, you know, I think that um, of course, you know, it's 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 a difficult thing to 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 manage and you know you're going through the natural things that a young man or a young person would go through anyway but you're going through it under a under a, um, a spotlight mm -hmm. under a yeah a spotlight so it was an interesting thing and i'm in no way complaining or anything i just think you know whereas a lot of people kind of could make their decisions and make their moves uh with anonymity and uh, privacy that was, um, to a certain degree, not the case for myself. No. But I wouldn't trade it, you know. I've had a very kind of, um, I've had a life with a lot of ups and, uh, you know, like real highs and then real lows. And, uh, sure. you know, it, it, it can be exhausting and the anxiety can run at different times and stuff like that. But, you know, I just got done this weekend um, doing this um, thing called Famio, They're the name of the company, and it was mm -hmm. a virtual meet and greet. Yep. So what it is, is, you know, I do one-on-one, -on -one, um, meet and greets with uh, people who want to meet me. Okay. And, um, you know, previously I'd done these kind of events traveling around sure. the world and meeting people. And I think one of the most uh, fulfilling things now and uh, is, that I, is that I get to have that connection with people, especially in this time where we can't do the traveling around the world and meeting in, uh, face to face because of COVID, you know, it's one of the good things that technology has kind of brought, brought about as well um, for us during this time that, um, you know, I get to connect with, with fans who, 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 who've enjoyed my work. And no matter how much that, um, you know, it might seem insignificant or whatever, it's not. Because for somebody like me, um, who, 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 especially if you're doing the type of acting I've been doing, like you're on films or TVs, sure. you're not getting that applause from an audience. Well, it's not end. instantaneous, right? No, you know, you have that kind of separation mm -hmm. usually, or disconnect with your audience, with mm -hmm. the people that enjoy it. So when I'm hearing directly messages about, oh, you know, your work, really really helped me get through this time in my life or I, you know this was the reason I really really loved this 
you know, that's really, really satisfying and it makes a lot of it, um, I don't want to say seem worthwhile because it seems that sounds cliche, but it, it's definitely a very, very positive thing. So, um, and to have that impact is wonderful because I remember growing up and you're like, the way that actors were, were like, they're too cool for school and they don't. So have you they, seen that on set then? With people, yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, we're not going to name a name here, but well, I've, but I've also seen it. I've also seen people go 180, you know, like in the age of Instagram and realizing that you know that plays a huge part now, and that the kind of the relationship between the audience and their let's call it idol, star, actor, entertainer, sure. whatever, has changed. Um, and whereas people kind of embrace the mysteriousness maybe because they had to, because yeah. the, the, you weren't going to find out about someone. Mm -hmm. um, now people, people, people want to know more, they want to have that relationship. And so I've seen people who, you know, and where I was, when I was younger and slightly unsure of how I should be, yeah. because I was a young man figuring it out. And you know, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, how is, you don't, hopefully you know? don't know each other. You yeah. don't know yourself till you're like 50, who knows? You well, don't want well, to be the perfect person at 30. You want to keep no, going, I don't think right? it's about perfect. I don't think perfect, I think perfect's unattainable, you know, mm. but I think we, 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 we'll we, give it a whirl. I think we have to have patience with our mm. growth and we'll give it a whirl, definitely. Hopefully get close. I think we have to have patience with our growth our growth and our evolution and, and, and hopefully, you know, as long as we're getting it right, maybe See, 70, 80% of so the time. So you're right about patience. What I think with acting and actors and presenters and anyone in the kind of the arts is you, you, you build something and it's just pulled from under your feet for a combination of reasons. You mentioned social media. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's a negative too, right? Because you can be picked up by people in the wrong context, for yeah. one. People have a voice about you. You know, people on Twitter, I've seen it, and it's painful to witness. Yeah. And then you get some actors who are very righteous. Luckily, you don't do this. Well, not luckily. I've never seen you do it, and I think it's a strength. Because you could go down that path where you become a mouthpiece for so many different things. Mm. When actually, are they qualified? Or should they do it? I don't know. So is it right that, you know, social media allows an actor perhaps a, a heightened sense of self maybe um, I, I don't know should they just be acting just directing or should they be allowed to I mean it's an interesting it's an interesting subject and definitely uh, an area which probably has to be handled with certain care just because I think you're you know there's a few different issues there right there's the idea of freedom of speech yeah um, which you know we definitely take for granted in mm -hmm. this part of the world and I believe that everyone should have of course you know okay. so fundamentally if we're talking about that then then definitely people should be able to speak up on issues that they feel they should be able to speak up on um i think technology is obviously kind of given that to to everyone pretty much everyone unless it's censored in different parts and so on and so forth and um so i think Yes, like, of course there's a qualification issue and like, you know, who is qualified to speak on certain Well, who issues, is qualified actually? You know, and um, the fact that people can have an impact positively or negatively um, by, by, um, by talking about things. And we see that in cancel culture, which is, which is, occurring, which is very yep. prevalent right now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think there's, there, there's good and bad to come out of things. Um, uh, it, it, it's a very difficult thing to know what is exactly right. And you have to remember that, you know, we're very much in the adolescence of this era, I feel, you know. The, What's um, going on in the world? Well, I know, I mean, with the whole kind of thing of just like technology being, uh, have given, you know, everyone can have a voice, you know, we're figuring out what that is. And you and you see that with all the kind of um, disinformation and um, yeah. stuff like that that needs yeah. kind of sorting through and, you know. How do you separate yourself from that? 
Um, well, look, I think that for me, I would be, it, of course, I, I try to think about, well, I'm not going to just say anything, you know, I've never been that type of person, you know, and I don't feel compelled to stand up and scream about any issue, you know, mm. but I do feel uh, if I am informed on things, um, then, and, and if I do feel that bringing my um, voice or my uh, attention to uh, an issue will be of of benefit or help a you know a good cause um then then i'm happy to do that you know i do some charity stuff you know i don't um but i'm not somebody who's like oh no i've done my 10 for the month sorry <laughs> you guys are all gonna no. you know not get any love now it's not that you know and i think no, some... you've always helped people but you've i've always helped people thanks, you've thanks. been involved in your friends businesses. well people have helped me you've invested you know? right people so have helped me pay, it comes back right? it comes back you know it's all it's all it's all part of that and you know, I think you need to um, understand the kind of yin and the yang, mm -hmm. the give and the take of the universe. You know, I think a couple of years ago, I, I was never somebody who was particularly spiritual or anything like that. And then um, a couple of years ago, you know, I started kind of reading, reading more spiritual, yes, but books on spirituality and stuff like that and kind of opening myself up to the idea that, you know, we're all in this together and, sure. that, you know, we're energy and we have that kind of relationship and uh, with ourselves and with the universe and, um, that's something that, that will still get laughed at. Maybe that was living in LA for a bit too long. Yeah. Listen, let's, let's yeah. take a quick break. We'll come back. All right. And I'll ask you more about your biggest success because I've got an opinion on your biggest success. Right, but I so, want to know what you say. Sounds good. Shy Aviation and Lifestyle is the global leader in private aviation. Offering an unparalleled round-the-clock service, Shy Aviation focuses on every detail of your flight and are dedicated in making private jet travel as effortless as possible. With no hidden fees or membership costs, our pricing is straightforward and transparent. You only pay for what you use and when you use it. With global airport access, your travel destinations are endless. Plus, with our front door to jet door service, you'll experience true contactless travel, meaning you'll be at your safest with us. We'll even include a complimentary luxury lifestyle concierge for all clients. We're here to help you unlock the world safely, discreetly and privately, and to always give you the ultimate luxury experience. Request a quote and start your journey with us today at shyaviation.com. Welcome to Bull by the Horns with Giles Vickers-Jones. Welcome back to Bull by the Horns, Mr. Ed Westwick. We left off with Los Angeles being a spiritual home. Um, <laughs> do you know what? Every time I've been to LA, I've spent plenty of time with you. We lived together for a little bit where we stayed together sometimes. Yeah. Um, is there parts of America you miss? Because obviously you've relocated back to the UK now, correct? Yes. You still got your place in New York? Yes, sir. So is LA the future anymore do you think you need to go back to be an actor because a lot of Brits do do it right yeah well I mean we were just sitting here weren't we talking about um, your fantastic equipment and uh, <laughs> uh, you know the ability to make uh, tapes which yep. as an actor is, uh, is, is is quite a big part you know you get sent an audition you can be anywhere in the world record it on your iPhone and uh, submit it and you know often it just disappears into the ether <laughs> but uh, hopefully sometimes uh, people watch it and, you, and it goes somewhere and you could get the job but the point of the matter is is that um, yeah I think the idea of kind of like a centralized location where one needs to be in order to kind of be in the in the mix yeah. uh, it's probably not as important now I, I mean Hollywood's Hollywood LA's 
you know. Is it still Hollywood though? I mean, look, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm sure you do too. And it does seem to me like LA is changing. You know, you've got riots think, throughout America. I'm not saying that's everywhere. We have riots here in the UK. But with COVID, you know, without the influx of people trying to make their dreams come true, there is no economy. Mm -hmm. Does it need to be there? Well, Can it be decentralised, the whole of the business? Yeah, well, I think it has. And I mean, you saw the breakup of, um, you know, uh, kind of where things were filmed a few years ago when states in the US started offering tax breaks for uh, productions to, to go down there. You know, um, Atlanta was a, was, a, was a great example. There was a lot there and now there's a massive industry that's settled there. And at the start of this, we were talking about Tyler Perry and what yep. he's done there. So definitely there are these hubs now. Um, it's not so much everything's in Hollywood, but yes, it is the kind of, it's the, it's the home of American cinema certainly and uh, American film industry. And there's a lot of resources out there, whether or not that is um, a talent pool or um, you know the studios, which uh, I, you know are probably used less and less now for actual kind of films because of the um, it's more expensive to shoot there and people want to use different locations. But um, I think look, I think LA has changed. You know, I think um, we've got this new era of celebrity, new era of stars, and they're called YouTubers, uh, TikTok right. stars, and uh, you does know, that bother you, you at all? Because I, I remember no, it like, bother me because no. what's the point in resisting? Right. Uh, what's the point in resisting? Because you, you do stuff on social media, you know. I, I do stuff on social, social media. media. It's I don't fantastic. Have, yeah. You've got stuff with tomorrow. And it's a lot of hard, but it's a lot of hard work, you know, to do uh, a full-on YouTube channel, and I don't have one of those, you know. Um, Why would it be so difficult? Well, I think it's a commitment, and you have to right. be consistent. Full-time job, like that. that. It's a full-time thing, yeah. you know. It's not just because I had this conversation when I knew nothing about it. I was like, hey, maybe I should have a YouTube channel. Maybe we should do this, and then. Uh, people I work with like, look, I hope you understand it's this, this and this and it's a full-time job, you know? And I think in the beginning, you know, it's very easy to kind of uh, dismiss these people and dismiss what they're doing as nothing mm -hmm. and frivolous and all that, but, uh, and superficial, but it's not, you know? And I think you have to remember things change, yeah. you know? Trends come in and they might just be trends for a little bit and they might stand the test of time, you know? And it's a story as old as time as people sitting there who are from the the generation before saying this will never take off. Sure, you know, that's, it does change. But I think one of the things that you know to keep in line with your conversation about success and about risk is that evolution is key, and it's those per that person who's willing to take that risk with that evolution. Yeah, uh, you know, that is dictated perhaps by a um, an environmental shift like a, pa a pandemic or something like yeah. that, or a technological shift or whatever it is. To not stay still, you know, and myself as, a, as an actor, you know, we're sitting here having discussions about work that I done, that I did 10 years ago sure. or something like that. And we're still talking about acting and being that kind of idea of the traditional actor. Sure. If you were to ask me what I see myself as, I don't see myself as just an actor. What do you see yourself as? Well, um, I was trying to think of a funny one-liner, but I don't have a... But <laughs> I'm going to stay... So well, I'm I can't gonna, see you now. You're in a no, camouflage tracksuit. <laughs> you just can't see me. Um, no, what I was going to say was, you know, of course, I took the, you know, and this was a more of a logical um, step in my evolution, perhaps, to, to do directing. So, yeah, I, so okay. I tried that out. But more so, if you were to ask me about what I, what I am and what I, what, I, what, I, what I see myself as, which you just asked me, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't put a label on myself. I don't put myself in a box, you know. I see myself as something or as someone who, who wants to remain fluid in a way, you know, and, and, and like... I'm open to, 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 to seeing what happens and, and, and jumping on things. And I think if I, if I don't restrict myself to that, as, as I so often kind of did in a way, because I thought, oh, as an actor, an actor, actor yeah, but as an actor, I have to be cool and I shouldn't yep. take photos and I should okay. be this. And, like, and it just, it, it, and it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't service me or help me 
in an age when that was just kind of changing. So I was obsolete, maybe. Yeah. Is there any people out there who you you look at colleagues, maybe even like someone who's an idol who has evolved? I I mean, I can't imagine like let's say Al Pacino using social media that much, but Will Smith. Will Smith. You know, I think Kevin Hart is he too much sometimes though, Will Smith. I mean, he's a great. He's. I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a point. For me, you know, I mean, and that's probably part of the way you know being such a huge fan of someone Mm. that. You know, lit up so many uh, Saturday mornings with the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Because he does me. transcend, actually. Because, you, like you said earlier about the mystique, one of the things going back almost 30 years, you couldn't really know about the actor. They could have been gay, straight, you don't know if they're married, they've got children, you don't know anything about them. You just have the illusion that they're a hard man on stage, a beautiful woman, or whatever, who doesn't have an outside life. Yeah. And now you are right, you actually know, we know all about Dwayne Johnson, yeah. we know all about Will Smith, and actually, is it better or worse? It's probably better. Well, that's where the interesting kind of transition from actor, star to brand yeah. occurred. Um, and the power that you can have, um, or the power that can be placed in uh, in an individual from that. You know, they're not just about, oh, I don't really know the the, the actor, so therefore, because the, the idea was, if I don't really know the actor, therefore it's easy for me to believe them in all these sure. different roles and aren't yep. they so fantastic? Okay. Whereas if I know this actor so much and I'm, and I'm, I'm rooting for, hey, go Will Smith, you know, yeah. instead of go, uh, the, go the character's name, then, 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 then something, would be, something would be lost. But it's not so much, you know, because a star has always been a star and they've always carried that star power. So there is definitely a is, charisma to those all people. All of this, yeah, all this really is, is the 21st century or the 2020 version of the star power, which, you know, as part of it has the brand power. Okay, let me ask you this then. So all the people you've met through the years, actors, directors, people we might know at home, um, who has been the person you've gone, obviously that's why they're doing what they do. You know, we've just mentioned Will Smith. What others have you met? You go, oh Christ, of course course they won an Oscar. Of course they're that great director. And what is it that that person has, perhaps that someone else doesn't, who isn't there maybe ever or yet? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's a very interesting question, and I'm going to answer it first with I'm going to answer it with kind of two examples, hopefully. Please. And the first one is Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Um, now, Clint Eastwood, uh, you know, is as old school as old school could yeah. be, and has everything that I kind of had idolised or thought about about what a you know a star would be, an actor would be, but but also like a director in the way that he commanded his set because I was in a film of his called called Jay Edgar and got to uh, work with him and Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, albeit it was a very uh, small role, but still Great there's no such Great thing film. as a small role in the, in the Clint Eastwood <laughs> film. But I, um, so I got to have this wonderful experience and he was, he was just, you know, stoic, but, but attentive and um, all of those things that you'd expect and just really had that star power and star power as a director and, uh, as well. And so that made, to- made total sense. Did, was he was... massively different to any director you'd worked with before then? Um, there was no because even though he was, there even was no then e- he would have probably been in his late sixties. Yeah, probably. But there was no ego there. And what okay. I've often found with these other directors who have, who are, like anyone at the top of their game, well, for the most part, I think, is that they're not throwing their weight around. There's not like something okay. to prove at this point. Yeah. And that is where the best work's done, and it makes it makes the best environment for you to work with someone because Get you it. feel relaxed and comfortable, and you can pick up on that that confidence that they have. And that's what I think being a great leader is okay. as well, is, you know, is installing that and letting people know that they can be relaxed and confident and that you're here for a reason and we're going to get the job done and it's going to be great. Okay. So there's that. And then, I mean, in terms of, in terms of other people, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, definitely. I mean, to just go on Will Smith again. I mean, just the level of. Have you charisma. worked with him before? I have not worked with him, but I've been in a few rooms with him, and okay. he, he he's electric. He's bouncing everywhere. He he's electric. Yeah. So he's had some weird press, but actually, I think as much as anything, people just want to knock him down. Maybe. Well, I think that does know, happen, right? Everyone gets weird press. There's know? envy from everyone, yeah. but it's also like trying to pull people down for content. Yeah. And you must have seen some of that, right? So yeah, definitely. So going back to success. What is, in your opinion, the best thing you've ever done? I know it's such a cliche question, and I'm only asked this because I want to know what it's. I loved you as Vincent in White Gold. I've always say. said that I love that show. Yeah, BBC Two. Thank you. Finished the last, last season was last year. Was that uh, it? Yeah, year before? last year it came out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's great. So you got another high-profile show, and you were fantastic. In yeah. It. Um, have you got a moment in your life where you've gone nailed it? Well, I actually, you know, wanted you to choose that as well, if really? that's possible, because I. Um, you know, I think it was just at a moment in my life where I kind of matured as, you know, I'd gone from like, all right, let's just call it kid actor, basically, mm-hmm. or young man, to a man playing a very adult role. Uh, all right, he definitely had juvenile tendencies and was quite immature as a character, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. But, you know, a guy with kids, a wife and kids, and, um, you know, uh, so that was, it, it just felt like a, yeah, a much more um, mature role for me. But... What it was, yeah. Also, I was, you know, I was the, I was the lead in that, and uh, you know, did very well, and uh, that was it. But and it just felt good. But also because I would have been a fan of that work, you know. Whereas Gossip Girl okay. and stuff like that, and the other stuff, I would have checked it out. But you know, White Gold would would have been a show that I, um, I would have watched and would so have been a fan still, of. I mean, you got Gossip Girl, which is a huge production, right? Sure. Doesn't mean they're more talented. That the White Gold lot. It wasn't as big a production, I don't imagine. No. But what you had is what Evan always says in acting: great script, right? Great script, really, really talented. Do you get, do you get any input into that? No, no, no. That you just, was all Damon do you just literally Beasley. leave that to? Yeah, he's people. a BAFTA award winning uh, writer. Who's this? We'll leave him to it. His name's Damon Beasley, and they in between us. In between us, precisely. Mm. So, um, no, you're somebody like that. You're you, you, no, you shouldn't get a look in on that. <laughs> he's pretty. He's, he's good. He's got that one covered. Um, so look, I'm very proud of that, definitely. And um, good. And uh, yeah, that was a big one for me. But then away from the industry, yeah. away from the acting itself, mm-hmm. you know, there were some moments for me which were like, and it's quite early on actually, I got to go to the White House um, to attend, uh, I went on two occasions. I went for President Bush's um, last uh, White House Correspondents Dinner and President Obama's first one. And the White House Correspondents Dinner is uh, a yearly event, although I think Mr. Trump's cancelled them. Um, is uh, is when the people from entertainment and journalism all get together and have yeah. a big dinner at the. Um, Do you feel like you're arriving at this point? It was a pretty spectacular. It's a thing. big pat on the back. Well, isn't I took it? my, uh, you know, I took my dad the first time and I okay. took my mum the second time. Fantastic. And the second time, my mum met Tom Cruise and got kissed on the forehead Jeez. by him. So, you know, that's that's pretty cool. Um, and there's a nice picture in the kitchen of um, of my mum and Tom Cruise. That's amazing. Um, so, so get know, to share stuff with your family, right? Yeah, but these are like massive, massive events, you know, super hard events to get into. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're on a list of, uh, of certain people and, and that's, that's amazing, you know, to, to have experienced that and, the, and then share that, definitely. Oh, that's amazing. You know, my mum always reminds me, you know, because my dad's no longer with us. Like, no. you know, she says, like, you know, the things that we got to do together and it's quite, you know, that's it's you. one of those things that it's really lovely. make me feel good. And what about your brother? Because he works at something completely different, right? So they both do, yeah. yeah. So my uh, eldest brother's a primary school teacher. Yeah. But for years he was in business and will tell you, um, you know, crazy cowboy stories of being in Russia in the 90s. And uh, 
Something it, really is so different, the family. Yeah, right? and then Will, um, the next one up from me, is um, a tech guy who uh, works for Barclays Bank, uh, who's got a resume that's the equivalent of David Beckham's, but in uh, so can banks I and tech. So, like, you know, there's this great thing that if you're rich, you want to be famous. If you're famous, you want to be rich. You kind of, you kind of straddle both to a large degree. Is there any parts of you who might want to move away from acting? You say you want to be behind the scenes more. Would that be as a business owner in a production company, creating your own content? Would it be other stuff? Because I know you've dabbled in different businesses, right? Yeah, definitely. Some um, have failed. You'll be first to say some have succeeded. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've tried to cut, you know, I think there's always a few things, isn't it? And, you know, I'm not somebody who has a vast business experience. And, uh, you know, I would like to uh, definitely develop that because I'm, I'm curious, you know, and I think education's always important in life. And right now what I'm looking at is... Um, is perhaps starting some courses on um, some, some different subjects to just kind of broaden my horizons and yeah. stay educated. You know, I'm, I'm a relatively young man, I'm 33, and I'd like to think that life has many different twists and turns and chapters, and the only way we do that is by taking a risk. So I will um, I will look into that. But yeah, I, uh, I'm always up for it. So, so tell me this, an 18-year-old in Stevenage, right? Or 17 when sure. you've got the first part. What are you going to tell them? What would you tell your young self? Slow down. Okay. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I always had this, uh, and perhaps still to a certain degree, uh, I think patience is key. I think uh, not rushing things is, is essential. Um, and I think I was very quick to, 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 to get out of the gates and perhaps my, um, my life uh, conveyed that, you know, uh, in the beginning. But, um, you know, things don't need to be rushed. I like that. Thanks, Ed. All right, thank you so Thanks much. Thanks so much. Cheers.